Welcome back to uh, Bold of the Fact. I'm Brad English. I'm Ryan Ortego. We're both bold. And that's a fact. And that's the first time we've succeeded in doing an introduction. Yeah. This is episode number three. We've got Hamad Chowdhury. He's our first guest. A very good friend of ours. He's made a, um, a company called Disco Shaman. He's been a serious, a serious psychonaut. Is that the right word to describe it? I, I, would, guess, I guess it would be. That's an understatement. But he's been to Peru a few times in South America, doing a lot of training, a lot of ceremonies. He's back here in Perth. He's stuck here in Perth, thanks to COVID. But it's good. It works out for us. We've got him on the show. He's selfish bastard. That is pretty selfish. But it's, he's here. He's here. And yeah. it's really good to have him, on, have him on the show. This is only a basic introduction to Hamad. We're going to have him on the show a few more times, I hope. Fingers crossed. But um, check out this clip to see some of his Who are we? Where do we come from? And where are we going? As shamanic wisdom re-emerges, we are empowered to reconnect to our greatest potential. Download, apply, and integrate this powerful knowledge to unlock untapped faculties of the mind. It's time to step into the seat of creation. It's time to deconstruct and reprogram the mind, tweaking, tuning, and upgrading our mental and biological systems. It's time create a life full of freedom. It's time to travel, to learn, to explore, to be. Uh, stick around, like, subscribe, share, 
that your friends know? Oof, my first one, um, I've got to pull my scroll out. <laughs> yeah. well, can, can I just say before, like, because I wanted to chat with you specifically about psychedelics. Yeah, well, essentially, I mean, yeah. I, I lost my psychedelic virginity in, I mean, if you want to consider marijuana as a psychedelic, that was in straight after high school. I see I resisted marijuana. Yeah. I was offered it through multiple circles of friends and yeah. I was always like, nah, nah, I'm never going to go to marijuana. Devil's lettuce. So I don't want, it. I don't want yeah, that in yeah. my life. Yeah. But then it came this point, like we were at Levers and all the boys were like gathered around the chairs and tables and school just finished and I was like, you know what, let's fucking do it. Let's try this thing. And everyone, you know, passed me the bong and I packed this cone, just, I'm just packing this thing and everyone's looking at me like, whoa, like, bro, you all right, man? I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it like a boss. Your first time? First time, first time. And for, you know, all other marijuana smokers out there, you know, having a cone your first go of never, pretty much having no tolerance to marijuana can be a, quite lethal. Bro, it's like a potato sack to the head. Yeah, yeah. literally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I froze a potato sack. <laughs> so I'm packing this cone, literally, like I'm just, I'm, I'm going all Bill Gates greedy on this thing, just like punching it in, and this thing's like a mountain on top. And I put the bong to my mouth, and I, and I light this cone up, and I just took it in. One simultaneous shot. And I remember one of my stoner friends was sitting in front of me, and this guy's like used to smoking, like, Mm. ounces over days and yeah. he's just looking at me like how did he just do that in one first go he, he was amazed and to me I thought I thought I did a good job I was like yeah fuck yeah, like, did, yeah. Did, you, did you cough like I, no, no cough nothing oh, bro. I did it right. I took it in bro, that's and, magician, yeah, yeah, bro. and I let it out and I was just like this is it Lord. like yeah like, like fuck my boss man this is amazing and then things started to get a bit wavy and the, the people in front of me their mouth started to slow down and stuff and they, I looked like they were drooling but I don't think that was really the case, right? And I was like, oh shit, okay, this is getting a bit really intense. My stomach started to feel a bit nauseous. And before you know what, I was yakking on oh, really? the toilet bowl. And I had no recollection of that night. I woke up in my underwear and I asked all my friends, like, what happened that night? And they were like, we just passed out, bro. I was like, no, no, tell me what ha actually happened. So then after that, I didn't go to marijuana again at all. Is that what they call a green out? Yeah, yeah I, I, I greened out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I think this, it's what I needed at that time because yeah. I, I didn't go near marijuana again for another two years. That's right, okay. yeah, 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 that's right. I was like, no, nah, not again, not again. But then I got introduced to um, mushrooms and I took a light dose of mushrooms and um, man, it was beautiful. There was different shades of greens in the, in the grass and like you could see uh, a, a different layer in reality just sort of emerged. Yeah, yeah. And like I was starting to really drop into that present moment and I started to feel my heartbeat and feeling my skin and just like, you know, all that cliche stuff yeah. about like what you experience on psychedelics. And I instantly was like, wow, like there, there's something here. Like this is the same grass that I see every day, but why is it more greener now? Mm. Why is there different shades of colors in this now? Mm. So. That was pretty much my first mushroom experience, like a proper psychedelic. But at the same time, I had a bit of a calling towards marijuana again, and I started smoking marijuana, and I went down that same addictive chain yeah. with the marijuana. And I ended up you know, starting off with it really lightly with marijuana. Like That's the thing, the marijuana really comes off. The way that marijuana comes to you 
it's in a very like a in a, in a very like voluptuous, calming way. Like you, know, you smoke it, everything's everything starts to look better. The food tastes nice. The songs sound better. You laugh more. You everything's funny, mm. and you know you're like, oh man, you, I want to. You start chasing that experience again, and then day after day, day after day, it starts to build up eventually to a point where it's just like now you can't laugh without having marijuana. Or now you don't have an appetite without eating, without smoking marijuana. You don't and enjoy that, life. You, you don't, lose yeah. that lust. Yeah, you okay. lose that lust. So I started to really fall into the the trap, the addictive trap of marijuana, and it's called. Um, you know, a lot of my 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 journeys have been in the Amazon jungle, where I've researched plants and what the traditional people, the Shipibo people, believe that every plant has a dark side to it, and they call it shitana. Yeah. Shitana. Yeah. Shitana. Yeah. Shitana. Sounds like Satan. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Shitana. Yeah. Shitana. Yeah. Shitana in I thought of like shit and sultana. <laughs> 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 you can take it as that too. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that for me, looking back in hindsight, is like I was definitely in the dark side of marijuana where it started to become a crutch. I needed it in yeah. order to function. Like life wasn't colorful anymore unless I had marijuana. Yeah, I started. To to, I started to plan my day around marijuana. I started to plan my social circles around marijuana, my finances, my relationship. Everything was around this one thing, right? And I really went deep with it. Really, yeah, yeah, really yeah. went deep with it. And that's when I truly. I knew. Yeah. That I needed to quit it. But at the same time, like it was just I felt I couldn't. I just, I honestly felt I couldn't. I went through whole university stages and phases of like, you know, going to school, university, and you know, you take Red Bulls and coffees and stuff in order to get through your university degree, and then by the end of that, you want to crash, so you want to have a bit of marijuana. So it was like, it just became this really, really toxic habit. And yeah. I, again, yeah. I, I never blame the marijuana. I never blame the marijuana. I always blame myself for it. Either good or bad, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I think the marijuana just is. And what it did was it highlighted the parts of my personality that were really deeply embedded. Like you said, like, you know, there was that abyss. Yeah. And that abyss was just manifested and projected out into my character. And that's what I think the plant was showing me. It's like, you're not, this is you at a fundamental level, at a deeper level. This is your personality, parts of your personality that you're not paying attention to. And I'm going to surface it for you. I'm going to surface the paranoia for you. Because I got really paranoid. I oh, yeah, fuck bro. paranoid, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where was that from the marijuana man? Oh, my goodness, dude. You don't understand. Like, it was unbelievably... Can I ask a question? Sketchy, yeah. Going? Into the, um... What is this? Sit... Sultan? Sitan? Shitan. Shit, Sitan. Shitan, okay. The Shitan... <laughs> is that Sultan, dark... Bro. Like, oh, yeah, no, I know. I put the word already. My memory's not good, but... Is, is that dark side of the plant? Like, is that actually in the plant itself? Or is it in you? Or is it some kind of mechanism where... If you abuse it, or if you take too much of it, or... Is it trying to show you both sides? Yeah. Is there an intelligence behind that? That's a deep question because then you have yeah. to sort of redefine what you are. If you're this one separate human being mm. and the marijuana is this one separate plant over there, then obviously like you could say that, okay, it's localized to the marijuana. Yeah. But if you see yourself as rather like uh, one being unified with everything around you, mm. then the marijuana is acting as a catalyst to bring up what's in you. But the marijuana also has those characteristics within itself as a being, as an intelligence, yeah. as a consciousness. Mm. So, it, it, I went in it dark, man. I went, I, I had a really, really, like it was like a dark night of the soul. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Being in that state. 
and I needed I knew I needed to quit it. It was it got got to a point where it was really really toxic, and that's when I um, did DMT. Yeah. And I remember I was with you. Yeah. We did DMT together in this nice little room setting, and we'd come across it, and there was like this little holy grail in a little bag, with this little golden powder. Exactly. And we're like, oh my goodness, DMT! Like God, God's in this bag. <laughs> God's in this bag. Yeah. I'm coming, God. You know. So we had the whole room set up and everything for it. Like I remember, I put nice music on, and like sort of just had my um bed and we laid down and he was on the couch Brett was sitting on the couch and I went to the bathroom I smoked it and I came and even you know the distance from the bathroom to my bed was roughly three meters pushing yeah. it and by the time I got to the bed shit started to get wavy and I'm like <laughs> I gotta get to the fucking bed I gotta just lay down you know, I don't yeah. wanna fucking be found on the floor or some shit cause that's the first time taking it so there's a huge level of anxiety when you're taking it to it it's like yeah. well, where am I going I still remember you, man. You walked out of the bathroom like a, like, like a caveman, and with it, you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then big steps, like, <laughs> and then you go into the bed, like, and then like when you're on the bed, like, you change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the thing, though. Okay. I think with any psychedelic, like, there's always this sense of anxiousness and nervousness mm -hmm. of like the unknown. Like even when I'm speaking about it right now, my voice is just like all kind of cracking because it's yeah. like you just can't predict what's gonna come. Yeah. Right. And I laid down, and boom. I get shot through this rocket, through this intergalactical rocket. And you know, you get all the fuzzy colors and geometrical patterns and that level of intelligence that sort of transcends your own. Mm. But what actually blew me away, what actually was a pivotal, pivotal point in my journey, the most pivotal point in my journey was when I opened my eyes and I see this white being standing in front of me in my room white being just standing in front of me and he's huge he's tall he's this masculine figure and he's just like he says this one really clear thing to me and he was like quit the marijuana it's stopping you from getting your potential and he disappeared wow. he said a few other things but that was the most relevant thing at the time yeah, yeah. i didn't take much of it i was like i knew i really needed to quit but i didn't yeah. take much of it i didn't realize like what potential was he talking about and again uh, you know, the the DMT was laced with marijuana. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I can't really quit now. Like, I'm, I'm getting a bit high. And by this point, like, I'm looking at Brett, and he's got this massive, like, he's already had, had his hit. And he's got this massive vein coming down. And I'm like, bro, this guy is turning into the exorcist. Like, I'm panicking and stuff. Like, because his head's very, like, you can see it because, you know, being bold, like, you can yeah, see the yeah, veins and stuff. Yeah. And um, I know he's going through his really intense experience himself, but. For me, that, that was the most pivotal point. And mm. that just set off a cascade of, of events of me really inquiring, like, what the fuck is this? What is this technology? Because it wasn't just it telling me to quit the marijuana, it was what else I had encountered in that space. Like a, a level of intelligence that cannot be comprehended through just linguistical capabilities. Yeah, 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 yeah. A level of intelligence that just sort of it's truth it's like this is it this is reality and that reality is that you are not your body you are something beyond that and I wanted to question the validity of that you know could have just been me tripping my balls up on drugs <laughs> the way I just discern that is like are you tripping your ball up as hallucination that there's some kind of you know side effect I look at it like there's nothing positive come from that 
Yeah, true. true. Yeah. Like, what did you pull out of it? Yeah. What did you pull what out of it? What was the experience? Did you, did you learn from it? Like, and it's all these things ticking all these boxes. Then, well, like, what did you get out of it, though? Like, what? Well, my experience is a bit different. I didn't, I didn't get the full effect, you know, because mm. I think I burnt some in, in the in the cone pieces when I had too much weed with it. So when I took my my hit, uh, same thing. I wanted to get to the cats as fast as I could. I turned around and I started seeing like little little flashes of light, like gold and like rainbow, like doo-doo, doo-doo. I was like, oh, dude, it's happening. Like, <laughs> I want to get to the cat. Like, I had a fear of like dropping the bomb. Yeah. I get paranoid. Like, if I drop it, it's gonna smash. It's gonna, mm. it's gonna ruin our time. You know. Yeah. So I put it down, sit on the couch, and just close my eyes. And now that I close my eyes, I'm just instantly in a different world. My eyes are open. I'm in. I'm in the bedroom. My eyes are closed. I'm in this perfect sphere of this red room, and the walls are all wavy. It's like this beautiful red room, and I'm just like, oh. I, I even I could even look around. Like maybe you put a VR headset on. You can, yeah. I can look around and see the whole thing while I'm like literally turning my head in my chair. And I look around, I see this, this Buddha statue just there, like, meditating. And I was like, where is everybody? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, where, where are these fucking space beings? Like, where's God? Like, hello? <laughs> it was just like a little... I'm here. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, all right. And I open my eyes and I'm back in the bedroom, because my eyes are back in the red room. I can go back and forth. But there's nothing going on in the red room. I'm like, damn. Like, mm. what are you experiencing? And you're like, shut up. No, I didn't say shut up, but like you're sort of, you're in your own space. Yeah, I'm going to leave him, so. Yeah, I remember you questioning me a lot. Yeah. You're like, what's going on? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, I was like, you shut the fuck up. <laughs> but then like, after a while, the red room was still there for like, but for at least like a good 20 minutes when I closed my eyes. And then started to fade. But even then, when I closed my eyes, I would see red. Then after a while, I started to hear like a, a voice, quite a loud voice. Distinct from mine, I was thinking. Like, as I was thinking, it was responding. And as I'm thinking, it's responding. And it was giving me different knowledge and different questions. I would ask and answer certain questions I had. I can't remember distinctly what, what he was actually saying, but it was more about my life and discerning my life and what I'm doing and who I am, you know? I could sort of break down myself objectively rather than subjectively, as in like my habits and what I should be doing to, to perform myself better. And, and I asked who, who this person I was talking to, when I asked who it was, it had this laugh, like, oh, 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 mm-hmm. like Santa Claus kind of laugh. As in like, the name's not important. But it wasn't what I was expecting. I think that's probably why I got that experience because I was expecting like to be shot through a cannon and speak to like angelic beings, but it was just very simple, mm. distinct um, experience. But what got me was the the communication I was, I was experiencing. It was like thinking on a higher format of a higher wavelength. Like these thoughts were not my own. They were. Can't you do that naturally though? Like just Sorry? can't you do that naturally? Just to like inquiring self reflection and you definitely could. It just doesn't have the glitz and the glam of the, the red room and the, mm-hmm. all the yeah. darkness. You can get it at much quieter levels. I think things like that, DMT, when you have a hit like that, is like you're artificially like, you're transporting yourself from here to here. But in reality, if you did like meditation and you changed your diet and you were reading books and you were learning and practicing, you'd slowly like get to a point where you could experience that level of consciousness. But with a DMT, it's transported quickly, something to aim towards and work towards and work your way up from there. I, I wouldn't want to be reliant on these tools. You know, yeah, 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 I want yeah, to yeah. use them like periodically through certain events in my life, like a ceremoniously, like well, like we've done before. Mm. We have a, a really intense experience and integrate it. Mm. Maybe a few months, integrate it. Maybe a year, two years. It doesn't mm. matter. As long as you integrate the lessons and move forward, and then try to um, have a daily practice in your mm. life where you make time for the divine, where you make time for the sacred, or you make time for the spiritual. You know, yeah, and getting used to your mind and your thoughts and different levels of consciousness and whatever else. Yeah. Do you think that these this this experience these experiences that we have, like in our society at the moment, like if you tell someone that you've um, experienced DMT mushrooms and all this stuff, they'll like look at it in a very negative way. Yeah. 
do you think that if you if it was normalized that society would be any different yeah Very different definitely well uh, the, the, the biggest question is right is like what, what's fundamentally happening at a, at a biological level when you're taking these substances it's just if, if I was to sum it all up into one little nice little pocket it would I would just say that it's a shift in brain chemistry yeah right and when you look at the motivating behaviors of society, everything is motivated by a shift in brain chemistry. Every little thing can be boiled down and traced to a shift in brain chemistry, right? Why do we go for runs? Why do we work out physically? Why do we chase women? Why do we have massive amounts of money invested into coffees, into industries that, that want to motivate you to, to to, to, for a particular purpose, yeah, right? At a fundamental level, it's brain chemistry shifting, right? So it's like people are doing it regardless. People are shifting their chemistry 24-7 all the time when you're sleeping, when you wake up, when you go for runs, when you do all these other different activities. Yeah. It's fundamental to our being, it's fundamental to our nature, yeah. otherwise life would be boring. That's true. Imagine just being in one state all the time, just one, you know what I mean? Like one state of consciousness and all the time. It's like having one meal every day. Not much, yeah, yeah, yeah. much growth in that. No, there's not much. Yeah, there's no, there's no flavor. There's no fruit to it. So if you look at that and you see how everyone's already doing it. Yeah. But you know, one person might do it in a different way. One might find it through food. One might find it through sex. One might find it through exercise. One might find it through um, video games. Video games. Yeah. One might find it through Korea. One might find it through. Um, yoga, then I think we can, as a society, come to a middle ground mm. where it's like if someone chooses to partake in a psychedelic in a safe setting where they're not hurting anyone in a safe space and they know what they're doing, then what right does that give someone else to, to stigmatize them mm. for partaking in that activity? 100%. These, these things are more or less like alcohol for example, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I, I'm a massive proponent for everyone having their rights to do whatever they want. And if you want to drink alcohol, do it. But just, just, just look at the whole concept of the alcohol. You drink this potion, right? It shifts the way that you feel and you go to a club or a setting, you move around, you dance, and then you make maybe another person, like a female or another male, drink this potion so that you can shift their brain chemistry so that you can get them home mm. and you can partake in sexual activities to shift more of your brain chemistry do you know yeah yeah facts. so yeah. it's just like you, you're doing it already it's just that it's accepted by society in that general consensus yeah why is it when someone chooses to partake in a mushroom or a psychedelic in, in a sacred in a ceremonial setting Mm. They're going to be stigmatized for it, and they're pulling actual re verifiable results. So tell me the last time someone had a mass awakening on alcohol. <laughs> Probably the only awakening. It's the opposite. Yeah. 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 So like when you get rock bottom, you're like, oh, <laughs> there's your awakening. Like. Literally. Yeah. So it's like, I think people just have a different quality of drugs they like to choose. Mm. Yeah. Right. And I, there's this beautiful saying where it's like, we are drugs. Everything that's modulated and mediated in our body is through a series of biochemicals, which are drugs. Mm. So if one chooses to take it externally in a safe setting, not in an addictive pattern, 
What's the go? Yeah. Why? Why do not they not have the same permission? Why did they have to be stigmatized for it? It's it's, in, it's incredible level of hypocrisy that's probably fueled by ignorance and conditioning. Mm. I would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. But the one thing I want to mention as well, this, I heard this this stat, um, where it's like one dose of psilocybin mushrooms, yeah. according to some study, right? And what I wanted to say was this um, statistic that I that I heard, right? But apparently, with psilocybin, which is magic mushrooms, a one-time dose had an 80% success rate in curing addiction. Mm. Which is like alcoholic addiction, cigarettes, whatever. And like, that kind of study is alarming. Like, that should be picked up by every medical fraternity, every therapist in the freaking, on the planet. Like, mm. nothing has beaten that or even come close to that in any form of yeah. certified medicine yeah. that, that I've certainly heard of. Even though I'm not well scholared in this, but it's still. Yeah, but there's something that you can look up yourself, like, so, yeah. so that you can, um, I think, um, there was a similar stat that um, it, it's by Michael Pollan, a book called How to Change Your Mind. And he was talking about how they were comparing um, psychedelics like mushrooms. There was one, um, Iboga, that's um, in Native, Native American cultures. Tree, tree bark? Tree bark, yeah. And the Native American cultures, they used um, the tree bark of Iboga to cure people with yeah. alcoholism. Africa. In the Congo, yeah, yeah. Uh, as Africa, with Africa, mm. yeah. yeah. There was an, there was one in Africa, and there's also a, a separate one that they use in um, Native American oh, cultures. Cool. Yeah, so there's two yeah, different yeah. ones. Nice. In Africa, they also do have uh, their own psychedelic um, treatments, mm. but I think they they do it for more than five days. Was it like um, Abigain? Abigain, yeah, Abigain. yeah. So it lasts more than five days, mm. but when they come mm. out of the other side of that experience, they cured. Damn, but, which yeah. is which is wild. Yeah, mm. and so I think the, there was also one where there was they were giving. Um, Mushrooms to people who are on their deathbed, so they're experiencing the last couple of days, last couple of weeks of cancer, or they were on their best um, idea ever. Yeah, and they they found that on the, when they finished that experience, they were they were at peace. They were um, mm. they accepted their death, mm. so they were not as stressed out. So these are like studies that if you actually look at, like if you compare like um, uh, pharmaceutical drugs into um, some pharmaceutical drugs to mushrooms and all that kind of um, mm. and the psychedelic element of it is it kind of makes you question like the basis of these of these drugs whereas some of them you actually find that the placebo has a bigger impact than the actual drug itself mm -hmm. so that's to me to it shows that the, the mind is is uh, more effective than the drug that they're giving you 100 percent. yeah so if you if you look at that you just kind of it makes it begs to question like what is the if they if we have all these knowledge and we we can see that they have been using this these these medicines for generations and generations why are we not considering these mm. as true medicine whereas we're going to look at yeah. pharmaceutical drugs as medicine Dude, it begs a big question and that question leads into conspiracy yeah you know what i mean but it's not conspiracy like i, <clears throat> I look at that as when i used to write to run for the um the fluoride free um, political party, yeah. And one of the guys that was running it, he's like, "Look, people say like, these are conspiracy theories, but they're actually conspiracy facts. Like these are these are actually proven. Like there's factual evidence to suggest that these theories aren't theories; that they're actually real. We can get into it another time, but it will take us down a, a really big rat hole. Mm. But the fact that these things are being ignored or, and even suppressed, and um, what do you call it? Not demonetized. Um, when you make it illegal." Uh, decriminalized. Criminalized, yeah, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Mm. To the point where, like, if you go and pick mushrooms that are growing in, like, a wild field, there's, like, police that will put you away for that. Yeah, that blows yeah. me away. Yeah, right. like, there's, like, there's, like, a plant on the ground, right? 
and it's not illegal. Like nature's just naturally nature, yeah. to be there. But the second you pick it up and put it in your pocket, that's jail time. You're a criminal. You're a criminal. You're classified as a criminal. Like that to me blows me away. Like, like if there was a god, it's like he, he's staging us. Yeah. <laughs> Is she staging us? Like, why would you have it there? It's, it's, it's crazy, man. It's almost like you know how people can do certain types of breathing. Yeah, they can alter their state of, of consciousness. Like, would that would that be illegal? Mm. I mean, like, don't breathe through your nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so you're under arrest. <laughs> Yeah, there's some really promising research coming out of the University of John Hopkins now. Oh yeah. Doing okay, like clinical yeah. trials on mushrooms and that should have gone into phase two now. Yeah. Which is really, really good because that that is just showing that our society is becoming more acceptable yeah. towards mm. uh, psychedelic medicine when it comes to treatment of um, Fear of death, yeah. uh, mental health, mental health disease, trauma, yeah. all these type of crises. And like for me, one of the main questions that comes up for me is like, what's medicine? What 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 is medicine? Like, yeah, pharmaceuticals have their role and their their certain you know position in society, yeah. right? But again, these most of the model of pharmaceutical medicine is built upon the idea that we're gonna bandage this shit up. We're not gonna get to the root of it. And that's where I feel a psychedelic can potentially play a good role, is that they really reveal the root of most mental ailments, right? right? And, you know, I'm, I'm ready to sort of accept the idea that even physical ailments, if you look into the research of psychosomatic diseases yeah. and psychosomatic effects of unprocessed trauma yeah. and how that maps onto the physical body, yeah. then you can sort of make that connection directly to, to like psychedelics being able to surface what needs to be addressed. Yeah. Mm. Now again, like I know when I talk about this stuff, it, it, I can make it seem like it's the be and all. It, this is it, psychedelics, the holy grail, everyone bow down to yeah. it. I'm like, no, yeah. that's not the answer. <laughs> that's not the point of this conversation. It's just opening a dialogue saying that this is a potential avenue that we can embrace. And they're not for everyone. There's certain people out there with like, um, schizophrenia and certain types of mental ailments that mm. don't suit this mode of healing. Yeah. And they need to consider different ways yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of healing that. But for the people out there who have tried the pharmaceutical way, who have tried all these other avenues, why not give them the possibility of accepting this avenue of healing? Why close them off to it? Nature has its intelligence embedded mm. through plants. Yeah. I mean, we get our food. We get everything on the food chain from plants. All of our nutritional needs come from plants, yeah, yeah. right? All and our medicine also. All our medicine too, yeah. mm. right? And uh, most of our like resources come from nature too, all the um, wood, metal, so on and so forth. So nature kind of has it figured out. Yeah, yeah. So why are we declassifying, why are we criminalizing something on the basis of a lack of understanding because of the criminalization yeah, yeah. of it? And Inevitably, that resulted in no research into it, right? Yeah. So that that, that that's what gets me horny, is when people actually start to research these things. Yeah. And start yeah. to bring medical science into it, and start to map what is really going on in these realms, and how are the results of these of these medicines so profound, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. when we start stepping into like the territory of ibogaine, ayahuasca, and all these more 
Bogota. Yeah. That's what it's called, sorry. A Bogota? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a city too in Mexico, oh, Bogota. Really? Yeah, yeah. Biggie Small raps about it. <laughs> yeah, it's in Bogota. Well, this, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when I landed in Peru, I saw Bogota like um, on the baggage thing, and I was yeah. like, "Ah, oh, Bogota, bro, that's cool." Yeah. Like, How do I know that? Biggie. <laughs> Biggie, of course. But even like so people like um, JFK. JFK used to partake in psychedelics. Did he? Yeah. They, it was a, they used to throw um, psychedelic parties. Um, JFK and a couple of people who are um, high end, um, high up. Mm. This is prior to them like criminalizing it. So I think um, it was JFK um, and a couple of these massive politicians back in the day. They used um, psychedelics to in, to elevate their minds, I guess you would say. Yeah. And he actually was he, was, he spoke very highly of it, and he was actually um, he was actually going to decriminalize it, mm. but he did it very secretly. You can you um, all of this stuff is like um, what's his name? Michael Pollan goes very deep into like wow. um, the research around this and um, other people who have who have also t um, partaken in stuff like this. Mm. And it's like very very massive people um, back in the day were like um, experimenting with this kind of stuff. Yeah, and they realized the value of it. Mm. So if, um, so if we have um, we have beautiful examples of people who um, who uh, exper experimented with this. And they came out. They had very beautiful, positive results. So is that, to me, may, uh, makes me uh, ask the question: Is it like they're trying to? Are they trying to suppress this so people do not become consciously aware, or they start questioning um, yeah. their own um, reality? They start they start questioning their own structures of reality. Like, why do we do this? Why do we do that? Because what if the question? What if they they suppress this so it doesn't make people ask those crucial questions? Yeah. Who's well, they? Uh, big institutions, I guess, pharmaceutical mm. companies. Like, yeah. if yeah. we really, if we really think about it, man, like, let's break this down. Like, if we, um, if we used marijuana or hemp as mm. as a true medicine, and we really broke it down. Like, we used THC or CBD as a medicine. It would take down a massive part of the pharmaceutical it's industry. One of the, a billion dollar industry. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's what blows me away, right? Yeah. Like, ten years ago, you're caught with marijuana, you're in jail in yeah. the U.S. Uh, at least it's a decent quantity of it, right? Yeah. And now it's like they they have they got like actual parlors yeah. dealing marijuana. They got doctors giving marijuana prescriptions. The it's like farms. Farms. Mm. I'm yeah. like, well, what the hell yeah. is this? You know, mm. this is craziness. It yeah. is, man. Even you can like, go to Texas and you Texas, all right? Yeah. Smoke a joint. You can go to where you can get it's criminal. Yeah. In California, you can do it no problem. Yeah. Same country. Is. So who's who's calling the shots? Like who who's making who's who's, who's making these rules? Yeah, it's, it's look. I see. It's I see multifaceted, right? I see like at a at a much higher level. This is just my opinion, right? It could be the suppression of consciousness because they want planetary control. That's at a high level. But when it comes down to like a, day, though, a lower level, well, they would be people. Look, look, it's a tough one. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know who they are. They're nameless people, but. They have, to be, they have to be a name to them. Like, they can't just be these random bubbles floating around, like well, controlling the world. It depends how like how big you want to look at the scale. But let me just start with they for now. Okay. Right? And okay. this is a high level. This is at like people that they call the, the shadow government who control and make the rules at a higher level. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like what what would David Icke would refer to as the cabal? Yeah. You know, which could be reptilians or just an elite order of people. Alex Jones calls them a breakaway society. These people have become so wealthy, so affluent and such controllers of, of central banks and federal reserves and that sort of stuff that they're actually completely out of the matrix that we live in because they just don't live the same life we do. Yeah. They're Are they in the phone book? All the recent, no. They're not, so you well, can't find them. Well, maybe they could be, but you wouldn't know their name. Mm. You know, people say what's well, Rothschild yeah. or Rockefeller, but I think those guys are just like, 
the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, it's hard know? for me to accept but that. I don't want to get into that because it's it's a, it's a really. But it's like you're saying the whole other show. That these yeah. guys are like controlling everything. But it's like who are they then? That, that's what I'm about. So this is, let me just break this down for you. First okay, of all, okay. I got the, the I'm trying to understand. Yeah. The top, right? yeah. Want to suppress consciousness, but then you got the actual machine, which we call the economy and institutions, that sort of stuff, who have valued money and accumulation of riches more than the ethics behind them. Like in ancient Greece, right, when the money was sort of coming up, up and coming, there was like in, in actually in Egypt, sorry, they had these clay tablets, which were an exchange of value, which could be based on corn or whatever it would be. But when the money started to come in. They had, this, they had this saying or this, this moral thing that it wasn't good for you to give your kids inheritance because it ruins them. So all they, they don't have to have value and apply themselves in the world and socialize oh, and really? community. Yeah, because they, it loses their value. What are they going to give to society because they have everything they need? There's nothing for them to give anymore. So that these people become weak and valueless and mm. snide, so to speak, oh, because facts. they're not adding value to their communities because they're, just, they're isolated, they've got everything they need, they're all good. So it was quite a bad thing to give your, your kids a big inheritance because you want them to involve themselves in society and you want them to, be, and you want them to have the values in, installed in them of adding value and quality and service to others, you know, to interact with community. Mm. But when you sort of um, become separated from the community and from the people, it just becomes a game, a numbers, a balance sheet, an accumulation, a hoarding, a greed, you know? Yeah. So these institutions that are making huge amounts of money from petrochemical drugs, why would they want marijuana to come in here and wipe out you know, a third of, of their profits. That makes sense. When they base their identity on that. Yeah. That does make sense. So, so like ph pharmaceuticals then would be like they. That would be one. This is yeah, a smaller yeah. level. This is like the actual machine. I'm talking beyond the machine, but we, beyond the machine, we'll go down another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that gets. Yeah, yeah. People, yeah. Don't want, people don't want to hear that. It's just hard for me to understand when. Yeah, but yeah. now, like when you say pharmaceuticals and these yeah, big, big yeah, companies, yeah, it makes sense they have their well, own vested interest. Think about it. Even just a few years ago, when people had kids with epilepsy having like 30 seizures a day. They get like um, marijuana oil or mm. marijuana the like oil? sticks. Yeah. See, whatever, I don't yeah. know what it was, but it was marijuana based products. Rub it on the, the kid's foot and it would they'd stop having a seizure straight away. Mm. Talking about 30 seizures a day to one a week or one a month or two a year. And no other medication comes close. Comes close. And these people were being put in jail, they're getting criminal charges for, these, for doing these products. And it's like, how insane do we have to become? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like those police that are actually arresting them, even though I feel they're, they're following orders too, they should be charged. Mm. You can't just, when the, the Nuremberg trials are done with, in, in Germany, right, for World War II, the Nazis, they were saying, oh, we're just following orders. Like, no, that's, that's, not, that's not good enough. You can't just follow blatant evil orders. Like, and they were, they were hung. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't that's happening right now. Though. But it's happening now. But if, you, if you're taking orders and you, which you know are tyrannical orders, which are causing you know, havoc and chaos, like, you should be responsible for that. We should all hold ourselves responsible for what we do with our time, with our energy, with our money, with, mm. with, with all of it. But then and you I can say the exact same thing about the doctors who are in, um, who are in practice right now. Well, you can, you can. But are they educated and they, are they informed? You know, like, are they actually informing themselves? Because if all they do, right, if once they finish their medical degree and they're getting, they're getting their training done, I'm assuming, I don't know too much, they get trained and coached by the companies that supply their, their pharmaceuticals. I'm pretty sure there's a, a medical book of, or practice guidelines yeah. which they have to follow. And if they don't follow those guidelines and something goes wrong, it could just be the one in a thousand thing that goes wrong, they can lose their, their license to practice. Yeah. Which is kind of like this, this blackmail over their head saying, if, oh, you didn't follow this procedure here and this went wrong. But it went right a hundred times, but now the hundred and one time went wrong. Is he going to gamble his career, his income, his mortgage, his family on being a free thinker? Is he going to stand out of the crowd and do that? Chances are probably not. Mm. I think that's so. Yeah. But 
Mm. Basically, the thing is, like, in, in terms of that, like, the sub, some things to me don't make sense. Whereas, like, mm. you could, um, someone comes to you and this guy is obviously overweight, poor diet, no exercise routine, no, um, um, not, not taking care of his own mental well-being. Mm. But instead of telling him something simple as the first thing you need to do is to make sure you control what you eat, get some exercise, mm. and start doing some mental um, mental exercises. Yeah, that within itself could completely transform this man's life. Yeah. However, they're gonna they're not gonna do that. They're gonna try and find every other alternative mm. other than tell him what is what is free. Yeah. And will most likely change well, the, the course of his life. Dude. This is a good subject because like, what I was talking about with this health and lifestyle thing, if we develop it off psychedelics, but there's a procedure like, you know, the lap band or gastric sleeve where yeah. they cut out a percentage of your, of your stomach so you can't eat that much. Yeah. There's even a, another one where they cut out some of your intestines so you don't, you don't absorb as much nutrients. You should take the fork away. <laughs> like, that sounds more easy. What's that People have like, people have the fork to the house. <laughs> food addiction is a big thing, man. Yeah. What, what drives this addiction to food? You know, it's just like drugs and foods, it's the same, but the, the, the chemicals that are in, in, in foods now, like, have you ever read a label of like an average cereal box and just read the label on that fucking yeah. thing? The sugar. I've got to do maths to read it. It's like numbers. There's <laughs> all numbers, man. It's like preservative 202, 404, 417, stabilizers 812, and all these different numbers. I'm like, dude, it's just wheat. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Like, what the hell's going on? Mm. Like, why do you need all of these chemicals, man? And when I, whenever I see these chemicals, like, I think these aren't designed for us, they're designed for profit. And shelf life. That's but what that's all they, that's all they're designed the, for. The way that I see it is like these companies only exist because we allow them to exist. That's, if that's if no one bought that stuff, it wouldn't be there on the mm. market. But people are buying it. People are that's going true. there and buying these things, and that's what's fueling them. So inevitably, if our choices were more informed by <clears throat> informing ourselves, these companies wouldn't exist because the power is not with the companies. It's always been with the people. Yeah. If who who are they vouching off us because mm. we're paying them, right? Yeah. So it's like. When we look at doctors and companies, there's some great doctors out there doing oh, yeah. some great research, and you know I've come across some great people out there who've given me really good insight, right, about how I need to sort of orchestrate myself. But again, I think these doctors are doing the best they can with what they know. Like they don't have an ill intention to like sort of destroy and corrupt. Yeah. That's my personal view. Like they don't have this sort of motive to, to bring us down. Like, they don't know themselves. Like I know yeah. I went to a doctor once and I was just like, hey, look, I got, um, um, I, had a, I had a lump on my, on my ass. Mm. And, um, <laughs> <That lump>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, skin lump? it was like a, it's like a cyst or something. Okay. And I asked the doctor, I was like, hey, look, I've got this thing. And he was like, um, yeah, get an x-ray and chop it off. Oh. Yeah. And I was like, all right. And you know, me being young at that time, I was like, I considered getting it chopped off. But I went down this journey of healing myself and starting to understand okay, why was I there in the first place. And I came to realize that there were specific um, energetical blockages in my lower level plexuses, yeah. which wasn't letting energy to rise and it was keeping it stuck there, hence resulting in the manifestation of a physical symptom. Yeah. Mm. And I was able to heal it myself now, yeah. which is, again, I, the question that comes up is like, was this doctor evilly telling me to cut myself up because he wants to see the worst out of me? Or was he behaving out of the best of his intention mm. from what he's been it's taught? Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Is, is the question just the, the books are outdated? Because a lot of people have benefited from like, you know, people have depression, anxiety and stuff. They do benefit from SSRIs as a, as a, um, as a sort of temporary bridge. Yeah. Because they have no other means of, of, of taking any sort of form of help. What, what's the SSRI? 
um, se selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. So, oh, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Benzos and stuff? Yeah, so the Benzos are really addictive, man. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, the, that's correct. Jordan Peterson, he, he took them, right? For he, yeah, yeah, relapsed. He had really bad problems. He's like, these drugs are really dangerous. I've had They're family members. Really dangerous. Um, you see, the, but the, that's the thing. Like, the um, the studies that, that, um, the, that have, they have performed around mushrooms and um, um, ayahuasca and stuff mm. like this, they literally more than seventy percent heal rate. Seventy percent is wild, huge, it's huge, the best. Crazy. Yeah, mm. like they, they cannot explain this. So, like, what, if if you're giving people these SSRIs and they have maybe 55 percent, fifty five percent heal rate, fair. Mm. But why rule out something that has like seventy, seventy five? Destroy it. Yeah, I think maybe because it's free, mm. and the stigma too. Because I think what I want to talk about the psychedelics one more time to bring it back to what they actually do. As we go through our lives, right, we're, we're, we're raised by society or raised by our parents. We follow our parents' habits. We go to school, we learn a certain way. We go to university, we learn certain things. Mm. And our thoughts or our neural circuits become not like roads or like a, or like a free map. It becomes like a train track where you just keep following that certain, that certain um, mm. circuit or that certain habit, whatever it is, from what you've learned. And psychedelics for me become like a block in that, in that train track where no longer is your life made in train tracks. It's now an open map again. Yeah. Like, hang on a second, that doesn't make sense to me. I can go this way, I can go that way. For me, when I psychedelize, I can break down so many different things about myself, my personality, my, even the bad stuff, like, oh, Brett, you've got anxiety here, you've got depression here, you've got an issue with women here, you've got an issue with certain things, you know, like you, you actually have envy, jealousy, all these, all these sort of dark aspects of myself I didn't want to admit. And this is how you're coping with it. I'm like, wow, I had this realization where I'm like, if I keep going down this path of my habits of what my parents were doing, what I was taught in school, and what society thinks or expects of me, even just, it could just be my own judgments reflected back, you're gonna end up in this place where you don't wanna be. Mm. And it's sort of society trap, or people talk about like, you know, the midlife crisis where people like wake up and they're 45, like, fuck, I've just wasted my life, I'm not happy, I'm not satisfied. But psychedelics make you reevaluate everything and question your conditioning. For me, psychedelics, even marijuana, was one thing that destroyed my conditioning in my mind. Mm. When it came to money, when it came to education, when it came to how I live my life, my relationships, it, it, my, I just saw the conditioning. I'd watch movies I watched when I was younger, like things like Wolf of Wall Street and Pain Again. I wanted to be like, I wanted to be like this rich person. I wanted to be like super jacked. Like, why do I want all these things? I still want to be. I still want to be jacked. <laughs> you know? But like, I was like, why do I want it though? Because I used to do it because I was insecure. I'm yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not good, I'm not good looking enough. Mm -hmm. Right? These products, I want to be, I want to be sexy. I want to be big. I want to be rich. I'm like, what am I so rich for? I used to chase money so much, right? Like compensating for some yeah, money. Yeah. I still want to be wealthy, but like, I don't want to do it for the wrong reasons and mm. do I, I mean, am I going to be bribed by, let's say two grand a week, the job that I hate because now I have a nice car and my family's happy and they think that I'm doing all right. When I've been making a thousand bucks a week doing what I love, you know, mm. like I could just reevaluate my own standards of living. Yeah. So it broke down that circuit that was created by my condition. I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with That's you that, that it gives you, it, like, it pulls you out of your programming and allows you to see from a different perspective yeah, and yeah. make judgments based on that. But I, I'm sorry, boys, I don't agree with you guys about like, there's a day out there that are controlling us and wanting us to, to um, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, that's and, and why I, I come up to that belief is because I, I feel as number one, when there's a day out there and we don't know the two they are, we're powerless. Mm. The, what are we gonna do? How, how are we gonna chase the criminal that we don't know about? Okay, so that, that's my number one point. Yeah, fair. Number two is, the way that I see it, right, is like, 
why are we handing all this control to this day out there that they're dictating the way that our life is? If, mm. if they're a small percentage that you guys say, like a 2% or a very small percent of people mm. who, who are controlling the world, and there's 97% of humans out here who are being controlled by them, then where's the power at? Or is the power just been misplaced? Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. If 97% yeah. of people d knew their true power, there wouldn't be no they out there. Everyone would be making their own informed choices, right? Mm. So again, me and you were having this chat about being your own doctor, being your own psychologist, being your own mm -hmm. healer, and, and having a community where that is acceptable, where everyone is on that same framework, and you can bounce back off each other and grow as a collaborative organism rather than the separate your organism. Yeah, okay. You know? Yeah, yeah So, yeah. I this third point is I think that they out there is the ignorance of our own self. An aspect of ourself that we haven't shined our light on just yet. Mm -hmm. And this is why that they exists. Because we are giving that they their power. We're not taking responsibility for our own lives and it's not, e and it's not easy. Mm. And it's easier to just give that, power, that, that responsibility to someone else out there that our life is shit, the world's fucked because of them. Mm. No, it's because of us then, isn't it? If we take full responsibility for our life and our actions and our emotions and our, and our diets and our health, no one to blame but mm. ourselves. And yeah. imagine if everyone was on that level. That's true. It would change in an instant. It, it would yeah, change in an instant. Yeah, and I, that's where I, where I think the, the new world's going to be. The unfoldment of the new world will mm. be is that people are becoming more responsible. Since I've met you guys, you guys are fucking next level now, right? With your level of responsibility, your level of awareness. And partly, you know, would you say it's due to some form of experiences with psychedelics? Yeah, I definitely would. Yeah? Yeah. 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 And, and mm. would you say that it's brought positive impacts into your life? Yeah, definitely. Could you measure it in any way or form? It's very hard, hard to measure. measure. Yeah, very, very hard to measure. Hard to measure. Mm. Would yeah. you be where you are today without them? No, I, I, I wouldn't be able to answer that. I don't think so. Mm. No. And where you are today, is that a much better place than where you were five years ago without when you didn't partake in these experiences? 100%. Mm. Mm. 100%. I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, the self the self responsibility element I truly agree with. I think that's very, very important. Mm. That's um the moment you realize that the position you are that at that moment is because of you. Mm. Your health, your financial situation, your spiritual situation, everything is because of you. It is yeah. you the the choices that you have made. Like I can't you can't blame you can't you can't always place yourself in a position of being a victim. Mm -hmm. That victim mentality is what's going to um, keep you imprisoned in your own self. Mm -hmm. And I totally, totally agree with that. But though, in terms of like, in the macro scale, okay, in the macro scale, so if everyone, it is, um, I do agree with you, if everyone thought on the same plane, along that plane, would, the world would be a much more, much better place. However, the, um, the way that we've been Programmed, I guess, is that you always want to blame someone else outside of you to for the problems that you have, just like you said. Mm. This is the, I guess, I guess, this is one of the debates I was having with myself last year around something like 
Okay, around like the simplest one would be the BLM movement. Okay, the 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 whole Black Lives Matter, blah blah blah. To me, it did not make sense to me because what you're you're blaming your current position, you, you, the current position you are in life at that moment, on um, on the white man. Mm. I would say, mm. to me, doesn't make sense. Take responsibility mm. for yourself. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, it's got like thirty seconds left, but. I think it's in the discussion room for another, another day because yeah. I, like I like to look at history as well. Yeah. But like, if we look at history to see where we are now. But I like that. That to me is true though. If we take responsibility as a whole, the power would shift. Shift, yeah. But I still so, believe that there is, there is manipulations of power that are taking place. Like, there are flaws in our society as far as the education system, for one, the medical system, and all these different things. And they've, they've come to be through a certain pattern of human behavior throughout history of power and war and that mm -hmm. sort of stuff, you know? But at the same time, if we actually ignored that, Instead of saying that the 1% controlling us, I'm in control of my life. You don't know how far the power of your mind could be to reverse that situation. You know? The thing is, that I'm bringing a different spin into this rather yeah. than just three blokes shrugging just a dick about psychedelics. No, no, like, no, no, I'm, I'm pulling it. It's perfect, man. Perfect. Yeah, I love it because it's, yeah. it, it is true. It is in, true. In a way, all, all things are, like, are true once you apply it into your mind. Because mm -hmm. your reality is, is controlled from your mind, right. your, yes. your perspective, your perception. Going around three, we don't normally do it, but today is an exception. You got how much other reason? Look, I traveled 20, 20 minutes, come on. <laughs> <laughs> right, I got a flight to catch. Uh, so Where do we leave this off? Oh, yeah. So what, History. <coughs> so, what I was saying is, um, we look, we're looking at, from, from my version of truth, that there are some flaws in the society when it comes to the education of children. Because we were never given, like, a, a really. We are never given the best information that was out there at the time about how to control our emotions, our mind, spirituality, these sorts of things. You know, yeah. Um, which could be by design, as in the conspiracy of the, you know, the, the elites or the, the cabal, so to speak, yeah. that are manipulating society. But I generally believe that the mindset you just said about there not being a one percent, that you're a complete control, that you're a responsibility. I think that we're born into this world, a somewhat of a, a corrupt sort of a planetary system, to change it with that mindset that mm -hmm. you're saying. And sometimes it's better to ignore the. Um, the so-called cabal and, and, the, and the conspiracies and just get on with your life, take responsibility and change it because that will actually change the world mm. rather than if you, because some people will believe in that cabal theory and think that, okay, I can't compete with them, they're too big, the society's on my side and you use it, you can, it becomes an excuse, it becomes like a disability yeah. where you're using that as an excuse to take on responsibility. You dissolve so, like so the victim yeah. and the but, um, victim thing. Takes the power away. That's yeah, true, yeah, that's true. You feel powerless. You feel powerless. That's true, but I, I still believe, looking back in history, there's certain things that happen, it's like, okay, there is you know, quite a bit of corruption here, but the power has always been in the people and in the, in the individual, Yeah. if you so choose to accept that responsibility mm. on yourself, you know, and yeah. carry that burden, which I believe is what Jesus was talking about, so to speak, which is why he was killed as well, because taking on the responsibilities and the, the sins of others, which means like your ancestry line and the traumas and doing everything you can to take on personal responsibility for your own enlightenment, for your own betterment. This is not Christian, this is just mm. my spiritual belief on what prophets were really were back in the day, were people that were leading others through your power of God, through the power of yourself to better yourself, better your community and really break beyond the, the structures of society and religion and, mm. and, and corporate yeah. and that sort of thing. But that's a bit of a twist. But. That the thing is, I like how you bring the, the spirituality in and if you want to bring that in, it, it's interesting, like, mm. do you guys find this common theme throughout spirituality where it's like all is one? Yes. All is one, like, yeah. 
you know, everything manifests in different shapes and forms and colors and sizes, yeah. but fundamentally it's one existence, right? Yeah. So if you, do you, do you, what do you think about that? No, I agree entirely. Do you? Yeah. 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 That, I, I've personally had... Oh. I something exactly my tooth, that's what I was like last night. I've personally had like similar states where I've, mm. I've experienced like everything is one. So if everything is one and there is a day out there, who is that day? Isn't that oh, day just you? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Isn't that day just you? Yeah. Isn't that day just a projection of the parts of yourself that you're not paying attention to or giving, putting your light onto? Do you yeah. know? Yeah. And if, as a society, we still think that there is a day out there and it's not just our psychology, our fundamental nature, then we're powerless. Mm. We are literally powerless because right. we are creating them as powerful creators. So that's how I see it. And when I, when I see it that way, I'm like, wow, like whatever things that they are doing, greed, manipulation, and I can see those very same characteristics in my own psychology. Mm. Is that shadow work? That's shadow work pretty yeah, much. Yeah. To sum it up, that's pretty much shadow work. And I believe fundamentally every human has them. And there's nothing right, wrong, good or bad. It just is. Mm. It's, just, it's just happening. That's true. So one, right? nature makes no mistakes. Reality is always on time. And that being said is I think this is where the human race is moving towards understanding that oh shit like maybe that thing that I said to that other person was just because I was feeling a certain way and I didn't want to take that responsibility of my emotion at that time. and that's a higher level of awareness already and it's only a higher level of awareness that is going to be able to fix world hunger that is going to be able to end famine that is able to end war around the world because if we truly embodied a higher level of awareness where we saw every being as fundamentally the same as ourselves, there wouldn't be this. Mm. There wouldn't be this destruction, this, this, this rape of the rainforests. We would feel the impacts onto ourselves. And in that state, that's when we'd be like, oh, fuck, man. You know what? I don't want to cut that tree down over there because I feel it. Mm. It speaks to me. I see a being of, I see a reflection of myself in it. And imagine that at a mass scale. Even just say 50% of the world was like that. Okay, other 50% are just still doing their shadow work. And so yeah. 50% already like away. Huge. Yeah, that's that huge. huge. Yeah. Think about the, the amount of leaders that, that have created powerful change on this planet. You have Gandhi, Martin Luther King, all these massive influences that have brought about change. One person. Mm. One fucking person had the ability to do this at a time. That's powerful. Imagine. 50% of the world's population empowered in their own way. Or even just a thousand of those. Even a thousand. At the same time. Yeah. Or a million. Yeah. It's a very small fraction of the population. Yeah. That'd be huge. But imagine that. Just imagine mm. the level of shifts that they can create. If mm. one person has the power to free the black people of slavery, quote unquote. Yeah. Right? Mm. Imagine that. So that's why I, I don't like to ascribe to the idea that there is some sort of conspiracy that they're trying to get us and attack us. No, I, I believe it's just us. We have the, the, the decision to take an SSRI or go down to South America and partake in ayahuasca in a ceremonial setting where we feel safe. Mm -hmm. We have that decision, we have that freedom. Yeah, but it's a, so at that point where you're at that inflection point, okay, you've, you've met that, that point where you have to make the decision where you either take the SSRI or you go to South America and um, take ayahuasca. So when you're at that point, it's you against society against, it's right, per se. So it's either you trust your own intuition, mm. trust your own intuition, trust yourself truly, and this information that someone would have relayed onto you, 
and you would have maybe you watched a documentary on yeah. Netflix and that information came to you. You would either trust intuition and be like, wait, I'm gonna go try this. Mm. I'm gonna go experience this. Mm. See if it, if it is if it is if it is actually possible. Or you go take the SSRI. Mm. So is that how do how does someone get to a point where they truly trust themselves or truly trust their intuition so much so they can take that risk? Ooh, that's a very, very good answer. Deep question. Okay, <laughs> take it, take like, it, yeah. take, Sorry, it. Take, take it all, man. Take it all. But like, I think that sometimes it's a small development of trusting yourself on the smaller mm. things. Like, you'd be like, oh, I'll just do this differently. I'll, I'll go for a walk today. I'll just little changes and it builds up incrementally. Mm. Or it could just be what they call like, you know, a leap of faith where you're going you're to have to jump. You're just going to have to pray. If you don't believe in God, you're going to you're gonna start praying when you jump mm-hmm. and hope it to God that you make it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what would you say, like, if you're, if, you're, if you're taking that leap of faith, that means you still don't trust yourself. That, well, that's true. But it's very hard to do that. If, you, yeah. if you've never used your intuition your whole life and you've been in bad relationships and maybe your parents were abusive or you just, you've just had a really bad run your whole life and you just have, you don't know how to love yourself or trust yourself and you sort of get into that stage where you're like, you know what, I'm just going to have to do it. Yeah. And make that leap of faith. And a lot of the time, God or the universe or whatever catches you. Some, sometimes it doesn't. But how do you know that, that if you say so, you die from your darkness, is totally a bad thing? So on the spirit side, they sometimes celebrate, or a lot of time they do celebrate at death, because death is not, it's an illusion. Mm-hmm. It's just a continuation, you know? Yeah. The end of suffering, but... Yeah. Sorry, how might I, I answer the question? I like, I like <laughs> yeah, the way you put yeah, it. Yeah. And yeah. If I was to add another tape to it, I'd just say, retrace your steps back to the point where you stop trusting yourself. Mm. That's hard, man. Like for some people, like where you get to a point where you just never trusted yourself, because you did the time where you would, you would have trusted yourself. Let's say you were a kid, when you were a child. Mm. When you were a child, you trusted yourself wholly, and the only person who, who the only person who impacted that was your parents. Like mm. you would have been, you would have been making a decision purely on the basis that you're trusting your intuition and you're trusting source, and that's where your um, that's your where your path is, and then. Mm. One day you make a decision and your mom tells you no. Mm. Or that's not right. Mm. Or that's not how you should do this. Just do something. Even though you trusted your intuition, like how would you remember that? How would you remember that moment? Well, well that's the challenge. Stop trusting yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, say that's good in showing you like the points where you stop trusting yourself and the power of them opening up certain levels of memory, explicit and implicit memory yeah. banks. But at the same time, Maybe you not trusting yourself is the journey to you trusting yourself. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. So again, I come back to the universe is always on time. Reality is never late. It's like this one overly committed bus driver. He's like, I gotta get to the next bus stop. <laughs> I don't, I don't care. If there's a lady having a kid in the back. <laughs> I'm getting there. You know, there's, a, there's a kid waiting for me at the next bus stop. I gotta be there. Yeah, like the lamb, the grandma pulls over. Yeah, I like that analogy. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. That's beautiful, but. Actually, before when you said, how do you do that? And I said, like, I don't want to just keep promoting psychedelics all the time. You could do it just from having a conversation. Like, I, I've had many epiphanies just talking to you. I'm like, mm. oh, damn. Oh, yeah. Man. Having that dialogue with certain friends and talking about it. If you can't do that, then go get counseling. And just talking about it, and it just unravels more and more and more and more. Mm. You can get to the point where you go for a walk and just try to clear your thoughts and yeah. meditate and allow thoughts to come. And then you might just experience things differently with that, with that, with that state of mindfulness. You could be watching a kid in a park and the mum comes in, the mum smacks the kid and then you have like, oh damn, like, you just have like a, mm. a, a what do you call it, a, a schema or like a memory or 
Whatever it is. That's a trigger or something. <laughs> See, <yeah. laughs> you go back you go to your own child. But you told me a story, right? There was this kid and he was like playing around having fun. He was like in a carpet. The dad's like, hey, stop. Yeah. The kids are having a good time and he just like hits the kid. And the kid instantly goes from like that heart opening space of fun and joy and playfulness just to getting smacked. And it's like, creates a shock. Closed. Like a, a shock. Yeah. Like shuts the heart down, shuts the brain down. Fight or flight. It's, 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 it's essentially mm. trauma. Mm. And that could be right then where he stops trusting himself because he starts to he starts to have a coping mechanism of survival where he's, I'm going to please my dad so I won't get smacked. So I won't trust myself anymore. I'll just do whatever he, mm. he says or whatever he wants. And you become this program of people pleasing but just towards your parents. Mm. And all of a sudden, you're doing that throughout your whole life where it shifts from your parents to a partner, your partner to a friend, to a boss. Yeah. And you're just, you're just in this loop of pleasing everybody, which was where I was at when I was in sales, where it wasn't just um, my parents, it was also my bosses and it was like my, my clients. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I got to please them. So, and then you get lost in it. Yeah. Where you just not, don't know who I am anymore. Like, mm. I'm so stressed out working seven days a week. Even if the money is good, it's, it's, not, yeah. it's not worth it, man. Like, you, you lose complete touch. Mm. Yeah. So do you, do you think that we've been kind of programmed to live on that fight or flight response? So that even through like, every, let's say you, you, when you start getting to the workforce, you just start, start living your life. And when you're living your life, it's, um, you need to make money to survive. You need to do this, you need to do that. There's, Certain things that you have to do is effectively to survive, to satisfy this person, yeah. to, mm. to um, make sure that you fit within a certain social mode, um, vice versa. Mm. So you're always in that fight or flight response. You're, you're always in a stress response. Mm. Yeah. You're never at a position where you're at true bliss and you're just calm and you're just thinking about what's going on. Mm. And like even, sure. the, even the things that we are like, they put in our foods and drinks and stuff like that, like sugar, mm. you're in a constant state state of stress like all caffeine, the time caffeine one yeah. yeah constant state of stress so but if you like i know you're saying like the um, um you said like meditation is a big part of it where um society programs you or society kind of has made meditation this full part thing where mm. like if you do it it's just kind of like oh yeah what the fuck like some people, people are afraid of it right? yeah i know it's like why it's like what what was like um some people have problems sleeping. We're just like, would you just take ten minutes for yourself, meditate, and, and then mm. see if that will help you? Is there a pill for that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Top of these. <laughs> Back of the head. <laughs> oh, you meant that. That one works. Like it's free, bro. But like, yeah, you ask them like, why are you so afraid of that? Like, you, you tell them it's like, why are you so afraid? You just sit sit there for ten minutes by yourself. Well, I can tell you why. <laughs> I don't know why. Right? <laughs> no, but honestly, man, like this is actually a, a true story. You know when um, um the Brits um invaded India, not yeah. invaded, but they tried to like, they, well, invade essentially. Yeah. They were in control of it. They started to suppress the um the Hindus and their meditation practices and their yoga practices and all that sort of stuff. And they had the Christians there, the evangelists, the Jesuits, you know, the Catholics that try to convert people into um Christian Catholicism. And they started to make propaganda about the meditation and all that sort of stuff, saying, oh, it's demonic, and they call yoga, yoga's union. Yeah. Union is everything, yeah. according to yoga, but they're saying, it's union with the devil. Like, they had this like demonic swing and everything. And the Christians are good for this one, to put fear in every, everyone's mind, is because like, maybe they knew at a higher level that this could actually set them free of, construct, um, of thought constructs, of creeds, and of doctrines that are manipulated mm -hmm. for you know, a certain sense of control or power or institutional interest. And the same is, with this in Islam as well, 
like people are afraid of those explorations yeah. of the mind because they think it's it's, it's against their doctrines or yeah. it could be demonic or uh, I know I have a, a friend who's a very strict Christian he's like meditation is emptying your mind where you can be possessed and they have this fear so I had to go through this when I was meditating quite a lot I'd, I'd be meditating and then like I'd be like I might get possessed you know what I mean like I, might, like, I, had, to, I had to get rid of all this crap all this filth in my mind from like program from going to church and Sunday school and then going to Christian schools where the pastor would tell these ridiculous stories you know and I'm like I gotta get over this now just to I can't even sit by myself in a room without having a fear of some form of entity and um, I think that anything that's built from fear is nothing what religion should be religion should be only two things which is built on service to others and love mm. that's it if anything else has got fear in there it's the total opposite which in my opinion is what they call the antichrist there shouldn't be any fear in your religious practice at all mm. yeah. there's no growth in fear it's this yeah. part of flight response Once, yeah. that's where this fear comes from in meditation or yoga or all these different things I mean I, I make TikTok videos on meditation and people random Christians like please repent your sins to Jesus and all this sort of stuff and cult leader I'm like bro I'm just talking about meditation man. <laughs> yeah. like I don't understand this whole but I do understand because I've been through it and I've worked through that mm. removing that fear and I mean I, I believe that Jesus himself he talked to Moses and, and, and Elijah on the, on the mountain he was communicating spiritually yeah he, he, he did psychic healings his disciples did psychic healings you go to a Christian and say you go to a psychic healer like no that's demonic. I'm like, well, who's the biggest psychic healer that you know? Mm. Jesus. His disciples. He trained, he trained them. You know what I mean? He was a, a spiritual master. Is that what's said in the Bible? Yeah. Um, Peter and John, his disciples, um, he, he did healings. Mm. Like miraculous healings, as, as Jesus did. Mm. And there is a saying, it's not an official saying, it's in the Bible, but there is a saying, Jesus said that even the least among you shall do all these things and more, because all are one. Goes you know back I mean? to his, um, mm. yeah. yeah, all at one, and that that's there is no, there is no um, separation between there is there is no um, what do you what do you call it? What's something separate from the, the rule? Anomaly, I guess. <laughs> it's yeah, like, there is no exceptions. The yeah. the law the laws of the universe are immutable, yeah. and they work for one for all. Like Jesus was not done through an immaculate conception. It was he was born just like you or me. Yeah. But the the thing is, like, yeah. how you can take away an experience of a devoted Muslim or devoted Christian who is actually communicating to God who through their practice have found peace have found joy and happiness and repentance and dealt mm. with the with their traumas like how, how can you take that away from them I, I never would try to take it away from them mm. the, what they found is beautiful and it can't be replaced and if they found true communion within themselves mm. that's great but the only problem I have is when they're sort of teaching creeds and doctrines over the fact or more towards the fact than the actual experience itself yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's all about the experience, true, not true, about the doctrines true. and the rules. I think, yeah. But when it comes to educating kids and forcing them this sort of stuff, you're implanting fear. You should let them choose. Because if you've got a, a Jewish person, a Christian person, a Muslim, and everyone sitting in a, to have a debate, who would win, who would lose? Mm. They have their own set of rules. You know what I mean? You can't win that debate. There's, there's, there's no winning mm. it. So who's right? Mm. Who's wrong? No one. But well, yeah. there is a fundamental truth, and we all get to decide what that truth is for ourselves. Mm. But I, I, would, I would say you should be chasing the experience, thinking for yourself, and try to find any way you can the communion you have with God, and with, with love, and with truth, and whether that's through yeah. Christianity or Islam. But I just want people to think for themselves, and just be free of the lies that have been, yeah. that have been done for a certain other means, if that makes sense. Yeah. So would you say fear is probably the um, foundation of control? Um, 
Yeah, well, I would say fear is the foundation of, of manipulation because when you're in fear, you can't think clearly. Yeah. Then, and then, kind of like be, the... then you're open to mani being manipulated. Yeah. But maybe consciously or not, the person manipulating you may not be trying to manipulate you, but you are in prime state to be manipulated. Yeah. But what stops me from, like, fear stops me from putting my hand in a lion's mouth. Fear stops me from entering into a dangerous suburb with but, my but doors unlocked. That may, it may not be fear, that, that could be like actual caution, actual mm. danger, like it's a oh, okay. reflex. Like if you got, if I burn you with a, a hot stick, you So it's like, a, it's like a layer above fear. So yeah. you notice that there's yeah. a potential danger in this area and you're cautious about it. Yeah. It's not okay. Yeah. yeah. I would say fear is more like an emotional state that can be brought on just by thought alone or. Yeah. There, there are differences. There's probably much better people out there to, to define these differences than me. I'm not well scholared in it, so like yeah. I'm just sort of speaking. Street, yeah. <laughs> does that make sense? Because I'm yeah. self-educated and everything. Yeah, I do agree. Like fear is one of those things. Like when you when you um, release that fear response, you release cortisol. You release cortisol. You're in the sort of flight of flight response all the whole time. Yeah. yeah, and that impacts you like physically, physiologically, um, because when you're in that when you're um, when you're in that state and you're in that state of stress all the time, that's why people get sick. That's why I truly believe mm. yeah, that true. is one of the main that's reasons true. people get so sick, because your whole life you live in a state of stress like you you put yourself in a state of stress all the time your body's releasing releasing cortisol the stress hormone so yeah stress yeah. hormone all the time that your body is just no longer just functioning properly mm. because you're you're putting that you're putting your body in a state where i'm gonna die or i'm you're gonna constantly die. fighting yeah. yeah you're constantly fighting you're never at peace mm. well some people have gone to a point where they find they, they found their neutral point is when they're at most stress which is not which is not good. So that's when we we got back we get back to like the whole point where they're telling people to stay home, blah blah blah, um, and they're feeding people so much fear, so much doubt. Yeah. That mm -hmm. that will make you so much sicker than anything else. Like yeah. if it, if you go, yeah. It's like, get, yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, no, I agree. It's like when you watch the news, it's like, why aren't you telling me what's good for my we, body at the moment? Like, yeah. Give me some dietary guidelines or nutritional guidelines or. Uh, health tonics or something that will help me while I'm locked down in my house, yeah, right? Yeah. Or tell me to go out and take, uh, have some more sunlight. We know some vitamin D is is a, is a fundamental component for a lot of regulatory processes in the body. Yeah. And if you're in the house all the time and you're not getting sunlight, like what's going on? Why aren't you telling me this information? Mm. Do you know? So it's like again, you are because I'm not watching the news. I'm watching places where I'm being well informed. Yeah. Mm. So again, we're choosing where to put our attention. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah, 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 that's true, yeah. So I, I, I see the news, modern news as a, um, it's kind of like a comedy show. Like, you know, back yeah. in the days when you see this jesters in the, in, the, in the UK kind of like that, like it's just yeah. like, what are you doing? What are you guys doing? That's true, yeah. Right? But again, like to come around full circle, I think everyone has the right to practice whatever religion they want in whatever way they want to reach God and wherever they want. 100%. You want to jack your way off to God? Do it, right? You want to, anything. Like mm -hmm. you, you want to pray, you want to meditate, you want to do whatever it is, do it. But be open to the possibility that psychedelics can help you not only just reach this idea of God, but help you in transforming yourself, opening doors in your mind that were closed before, unlocking and clearing blockages that we're not facing. And I think that's the rise of a higher level of awareness, is that when we are going to open those doors and start to see, like, oh, okay, like maybe, you know, coming back to what you said, like people are so scared to sit down and look into their own mind. It's just like, maybe just see that, what that thing really is. 
And yeah. it's, maybe it's just a part of yourself that just wants your attention and your love. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's true. Sorry, man. And, no, no, it's, it's cool. So, one thing I really wanted to emphasize on is um, the space. If anyone is interested in taking psychedelics, what space they're taking them in? The setting. Yeah, the setting, right? You, you, if you're going to take a psychedelic out in a club where you're not trusting the people around you and you, you're, not, you, you're feeling stressed and you're in a state of anxiety, you're probably not going to have the best experience. That's psychosis like that, yeah, right? Yeah, right. And th these are profoundly powerful tools and must be approached with reverence and respect. And yeah. Shit can get messy if we, mm. you know, like we all know, if we approach them in the wrong intention, in the wrong setting. Yeah. Whereas if you were to go out into nature, somewhere safe, where you have a home, where you're not driving, you're, you know, in, in safe hands, um, you're relatively understanding the effects of it and mm. going into it with a calm mind, you can have a profoundly different yeah. effect as to you compared to like going out in a club. So the setting is, is literally the key. Like make mm. sure if you are considering these things, if you're taking them in a state that's legal, in a country that's legal, boom, setting, get your setting right. And get, get whatever you're taking right. Make sure you know what you're taking. No mixed up stuff and no sort of um, shady dealers. Make sure it's clear, make sure it's coherent. And that is truly gonna determine your experience. So again, like they're not the answer to everything. But at the same time, there are a answer to certain things. Mm. And if you're interested in exploring that, I, I want to invite you into my cabin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a cabin. No, but like, um, where can people connect with you? Can, oh, I'm on um, Instagram, yeah. MadHTC. You can find me on Instagram. Um, you can find me on my company website, discoshaman.tv, www.discoshaman.tv. Um, yeah, I'm on Facebook also, but I probably won't accept you. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, find me on my, my, my website. I'll be having some very, very interesting endeavors coming up to do with psychedelics, plant medicines, ayahuasca. Instagram's a good one as well, right? Instagram's a good, a good one too, yeah, yeah Instagram's Great. a good one. So, yeah, man, thanks for having me on, on the show, guys. No I worries, really, man. really appreciate it. Well, nice to have you, man. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. pleasure, dude. It yeah. was profound, man. Yeah. Yeah. I always learn a lot speaking to you, man. Likewise. It's just a perspective shift. Sometimes yeah. it's like I have gaps in my thinking. Mm. We have these certain problems and I have my own solutions. And I, I say them out loud and, and I sort of pick them apart and give me an idea. I'm like, oh, right, I didn't even think of that. Mm. It's sort of like I protect myself mm. yeah. with like gaps in my thinking that it actually seems normal inside my mind until I say it out loud. It's like, okay. You know, they, yeah, they, say, <laughs> they, they say I am a mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you guys. We're going to edit on that. Um, but yeah, follow, like, subscribe, and all that fancy stuff. Cheers. Cheers. Nice. That's fun. That's fun.